Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander from Mushalayim Ir HaKodesh. I'm so happy to be back in the Holy Land and with you today. I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichtman from Beit Shemesh. Yes, hello, hello. And we are on a high from yesterday's celebration of Yom Yerushalayim. And we're going to be talking about a lot about that today. So make sure that you, uh, you know, have have some some snacks with you and just sit back and enjoy. Yes, we're definitely. I was actually going to say the exact same thing that we're on a high. I, I definitely feel it from being here. I don't know how they feel it uh, in other places in the country, but here in Yerushalayim, it was absolutely incredible yesterday and uh, today. Actually, the following day is Yom Hebron when, uh, in fifty-five years ago, Hebron was liberated. And uh, we're very, very excited to be here in such a special place, in such a special time. Of course, Israel Unplugged is where you get the unadulterated facts of where we're holding in the redemptive process. And we're focusing primarily on the ingathering of the exiles. This is a live show, so we encourage you to call in. If you are unfortunately stuck outside of the land of Israel and you're in North America, you're welcome to call in. We encourage you to call in at 301-768-4841. Again, that's 301-768-4841. And if you're lucky enough to be here in Eretz Israel at such a special t- place, a special, special time, please call us at 02-650-0151, 02-650-0151. I'm especially curious to hear people call in and tell us a little bit about how they celebrated Yom Yerushalayim. If they were here in Eretz Israel, did they come to the Kota? Were they amongst the masses uh, of people that came from around the, the country, from the four corners of the land to be here? Or were you celebrating somewhere else in the world? We are, I know that we have listeners from around the globe, and we are very, very excited to hear from you. We encourage you to look at our websites, toratzion.com and it's time to leave.com both of those websites have a uh, a wealth of information about aliyah about zionism and about the redemptive process stick with us we'll we'll be right back after these messages did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged, and as we promised, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about yesterday's events, 
Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day, marking the victory in the Six-Day War, or more specifically, uh, this was, I think, the fourth or fifth day of the war. It's when we uh, when we captured, recaptured, our eternal capital, Jerusalem. And um, you know, I, uh, unlike Josh, I'm sure he he was in the middle of everything because he lives right next to the old city. Uh, but I was in Beit Shemesh. Uh, I couldn't couldn't make it over there. But you know, I spent the day watching videos and and watching the, the the events happening on live feeds and it was just such an amazing uh feeling to be part of that and to be to watch Ami so happy you know there's a very famous story if i'm not mistaken it's about uh, well, one of the great rabbis of the more Haredi uh, yeshivot i think it said about rav kahaneman but i could be wrong that um, one day there was a lot of celebration going on. I think it might have actually been when the 1947 partition plan was voted on and there was there was dancing in the streets and everything. Well, everyone was, was so happy that finally the nations of the world gave us permission, permission to, uh, it gave us a state, although it was not, you know, what, exactly what we wanted, but it was something. And there was rejoicing in the streets and one of the uh, yeshivot and one of the yeshivot in Jerusalem so they wanted to close the windows because there's too much noise coming coming from the outside and the Rosh Yeshiva this great rabbi said no keep the keep the windows open the Jewish people are rejoicing there is such that is such a special thing especially after the Holocaust after all the suffering that we had we should be so happy just to hear Am Yisrael Hi, Amishel is living and rejoicing. And that's what I felt yesterday, just seeing the Jewish people so happy and so thankful for the miracles and for the victory of the Six-Day War. It was so inspiring, and it always is inspiring. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this, Josh, but um, I once wrote a, wrote a report or a paper about the effect that the um, the year in Israel has on students who come here to study, and I had a whole questionnaire and I and I gave it to to many students and they answered it, and it was unbelievable. When I asked something about like you know what are the special uh, events of the year that really had the most impact on you, and almost all of them said it was the events of Yom Yerushalayim. It's at the end of the year, and the students hopefully by then are getting into, if not are already totally into the understanding that Eretz Yisrael is ours and we're living in very special times. And they just, it just has such a strong impact on the soul and makes them really understand why we're here. So, that's that. Those are the feelings that I had a little bit yesterday. So, Josh, you tell us what it was like to be right in the middle of things. So, yes, I, indeed, I am right in the middle of things. I'm right across the street from the uh, place of our holy temple, uh, the place where um, everybody gathers to on Yom Yerushalayim, right across the street from the Lion's Gate, the gate that the paratroopers entered 55 years ago on that fateful day uh, in order to liberate the Temple Mount and, and Jeru the rest of Jerusalem, the rest of the capital, our united capital. And 
uh, to be honest with you, we were a little bit concerned. <clears throat> there were rumors already for days now that there was going to be uh, some sort of uh, um, stoppage of of the uh, of the parade that is annually held here in Jerusalem. There were threats from Hamas, from different terrorist organizations, that if they were to go on with the parade or if Jews were to ascend the Temple Mount, that they would uh, be lobbing rockets at Israel. And I was concerned both that the police may try to restrict, or this government may try to restrict through the police, uh, the uh, Jews that want to come to this very special place on one hand. And on the other hand, I was, uh, to be honest, concerned that there might be some sort of um, attack or retaliation from different terrorist uh, entities out there. And I was unbelievably... Uh, Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> surprised that, uh, that Klal Yisrael, Am Yisrael, the Jewish people, the na Jewish nation not only came out, but came out in mass. I think that the same feelings that were pent up over the years of Corona, where Jews were tourists that could not come here to the land of Israel, um, and they created a desire that they wanted more and more to come. And as soon as they were able to get on those planes, many people took the first opportunity to jump on a plane and come here. That same pent up, pented up uh, uh, desire it was with the Jerusalem on Jerusalem Day for the past few years. It has uh, had last year we had all sorts of issues with a with the rockets uh, that were being launched and with uh, riots that were going on. Before that, we had years of Corona that also impinged on the our ability to uh, to gather in mass here. And this year, um, again, very pleasantly surprised that the Jewish nation came out in mass. And when I say in mass, I don't re recall in recent years seeing anything like this. I, I, I don't, I've heard different numbers, but I have no doubt that there were over 100,000 people that came through all the gates of the old city pouring in to arrive at uh, eventually the Western Wall and to gather there with their flags. It's an incredible feeling to be able to see how connected Jews are to this city, uh, coming from all over the land, coming many people coming from abroad, uh, flying in special for this, and of course the, the upcoming holiday of, of Shavuot, and uh, just being able to see everybody without any fear. They, they weren't worried about Hamas uh, sending uh, missiles from, from Gaza. They weren't worried about all the threats of different terrorist uh, groups here they were going to riot and they were going to attack. They 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 very they, they very clearly sent a message that we are a strong nation and we are not going to be uh, held back by terrorism. We're not going to be held back by threats. This is actually a feeling that uh, uh, I may have mentioned it online before that I grew up living in all four quarters of the old city of Jerusalem, and that was due to a a murder of a friend of mine 31 years ago, 31 years ago by the name of Elchanan Atali, Hashem Yikom Demo, um, who was studying in yeshiva here. His parents live in the Jewish quarter, and he was walking through what they call the Muslim quarter, and he was attacked and killed uh, 31 years ago. As a result of his murder, his friends and his family 
got together we to discuss what we're going to do as a result of his murder. How are we going to respond to his murder? And we came to the conclusion that the goal of terrorism is in order to scare us away, and we don't want to allow the terrorists to be victorious. So instead of being scared away, we did the exact opposite. We decided we're going to be stronger than ever, and we immediately started reclaiming Jewish properties all around the old city and all the quarters and all around the old city. Um, today, there are thousands and thousands of Jews that have moved into different properties uh, all around the old city as a result of his murder. And I think that is the proper response. I think that is the Zionist response. I think that is the Torah response uh, to terrorism. And uh, and I saw it. I felt it again yesterday when 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 the Jews came in mass from all over the globe to be here in Jerusalem on Jerusalem Day. I felt that response, that strong message that was being sent uh, to the world, to those that want to want to harm us, that we're not going to we're not going to give into that, and we are going to be stronger than ever. Yes, I I, um, I also want to point out. Uh, I don't know if you saw the statistics, but I, I if I'm not mistaken, more people went up to Har Habayit to daven to pray. Uh, the Temple Mount to pray yesterday than I think I think ever, uh, at least in obviously in modern times, uh, in one day and and they also prayed they actually prayed there was no uh, there were all these videos going around of them saying Hallel uh, the the Thanksgiving prayer in fact one of the first uh, videos that I saw on one of the the WhatsApp groups that I'm on. on uh, you know, the, I, I opened it up and I see Jews, very nice, beautiful Jews praying uh, on Harabayit. And then I see my son there. I didn't know that he was going up. And uh, I mean, I'm not surprised because he goes up uh, pretty often. But uh, I was I was so proud, even though I personally don't yet, haven't yet gone up to Harabayit. But, um, you know, I certainly understand those who do. What? I said, you have what to look forward to. Yes, 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 yes. There were 2,600 Jews that ascended the mountain yesterday. There were hundreds more that were turned away because they were just, they they limited the hours as their hours, unfortunately, are always limited for Mm -hmm. Jews. And they they just did had too many people wanting. So there were lines of people that did unfortunately didn't get in. But Mm -hmm. uh, many did. And they, they for years now, we have been having prayers. On the mountain, but there were there were open um, prostration, which is one of the services in the temple is to prostrate yourself, uh, to bow down on the ground. Um, there were flags, Israeli flags, which generally are not allowed on the mount, being openly flown. So it was definitely a very unique day in that regard. Yes, and and one last thing, if we have time. Um, uh, your friend that was killed. So I, I never, I never knew that you knew him, and I, and I really actually never heard about him. But I just recently uh, saw a video, which I think I'm going to have to t- uh, tell about after the break because I see that it's time to stop. Uh, so stick with us. We'll be right back after the following messages. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back. So I was in the middle of saying that uh, Josh mentioned his friend. Again, his name is Elhanan. What was his last name? Elhanan Atali. Atali, right. So I never heard of him until just this week when I watched a a video which was just put out about the rebuilding, resettlement of the Jewish quarter after the Six-Day War. And uh, it's a fantastic uh, documentary. Um, I'm sure if you just uh, you know, somehow look on YouTube or Google, you'll find it. It's uh, the ones who put it out are. Um, it's called Etrog. That's the name of the the uh, I don't know the the video the videographers. Anyway, you'll find it somehow. You'll find it, but it tells the whole story about his death and uh, his murder, etc. It, it was an amazing uh, piece. So I also saw another video. There's so many unbelievable videos about the Six-Day War. And, you know, even if you can't be here, you want to get yourself in the mood of what it was like and what the historical significance is. You just got to you just got to look online. I mean, you know, I don't know if you should spend, you know, your whole day doing it. Maybe it's a little bit of a waste of time, but, you know, to inspire you to recognize God's uh, kindness to the Jewish people in our generation. Mamash. It's actually of biblical proportions, literally. In fact, uh, Rabbi Elio Kitov says that the wondrous deliverance of the 28th of Iyar, the day of Jerusalem and the days following, transcends by far in scope and character many other historic events which gained a unique standing in the Jewish calendar. That's what we're talking about. So anyway, there are many, many videos. There's one I just got uh, today which uh, which doesn't have to do with the Six-Day War, but it's uh, for those of you who are fans, uh, followers of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So I don't know if you saw this one, Josh, but uh, it, it's a video of somebody asking the Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, a question. Actually, I know the person who's asking it, uh, the head of Hask, uh, Rabbi Moshe Khan. Anyway, so he asked the Rebbe, he says he has a daughter. I don't know when it was, when it was, but it was at a time when there was some kind of a war going on in Israel. And he asked the Rebbe, I don't know whether we should bring her back or not. You know, we're scared. So the Rebbe asks, where is she? She's in a seminar in Jerusalem. So the Rebbe answers, oh, so what's the problem? She's together with God in the capital city of the Jewish people. And then she says, how could there be a safer place than that? And then... And then I'm just trying to translate while I'm watching it. And then uh, the questioner says, so you're saying that I shouldn't bring her back, right? I shouldn't bring her to America. So the Rebbe says the following, chas v'shalom. You know chas v'shalom means? It means God forbid even to think such a thing, that you should bring your daughter back. And then he goes on to say, um, 
I'm sorry. Then they go on to ask and they say, you know, but she has a lot of free time now because it's during, you know, it's during the break. So, you know, maybe we should take her home because, you know, she's not like studying now. So, so the Rebbe says, what's the problem? She could learn very good things in the holy city. Give me a second. I'm just waiting for the next. And he says it should be with uh, with great uh, Hatzlacha. And then, he, and then he says the following. He says, don't even tell her that you were thinking of bringing her back. Don't even tell her you were thinking such a thing. Why? Give me one second. Because it's not just about your daughter. It's about every Jew. Every Jew. No Jew should have such a, a thought even of leaving Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where we belong. Jerusalem is our capital city. That is where we belong. A Jew should never run away from Jerusalem. And, and then he says the Father, we're all preparing to go there soon with the Messiah. So, so why should we even think the opposite, to leave? So I thought that was an amazing, amazing video. Of, of the, and you see him saying it, by the way. So it's like you can't, you can't, you can't deny it. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful video. What do you think of that, Josh? Incredible. I, I think that uh, I was told uh, by Rav Nachman Kahana uh, many times, and, uh, and I experienced it myself. He came to Israel in 1962, and in 1967, during the Six-Day War, there were lots and lots of, uh, of people that were here in Israel that had another passport. Either they, uh, they were students here, or there are people that had dual citizenship, people that had uh, an another place to go. And at that time, he describes the buildup of the Six-Day War in a very ominous way that uh, they truly believe that this might be the end of the state of Israel and that this might be even another Holocaust. They prepared thousands and thousands of, of graves uh, across the country for soldiers because they figured that there was going to be such, such losses that they wouldn't have anywhere to bury the, all the soldiers that were going to be lost when all of the Arab nations attacked uh, wow. Israel. And you can imagine there were a lot of people that were here that were very scared. And if they had an opportunity to go elsewhere, like students, then they were a lot of them were lining up in the airport to leave. I experienced a similar thing in 1991 during the Gulf War. When even though the rabbi said that you people, all the students here should st stay and study in yeshivas here and they shouldn't leave, the, the, there were lines out of the door uh, of the airport lining up to leave, get on the next plane out of here because of the threats of Saddam Hussein uh, shooting his Scud missiles, which may at the time there was it was thought that it might be even chemical uh, missiles uh, to Israel. And so uh, once I was speaking to Rabbi Nachman about this idea, and he said, you know, Josh, he says, you know what the punishment of these people were, of these people that abandoned the land, that got up and they, they, they caught the next plane out of here? Their punishment was that they weren't here at that special time to experience the miracles that were happening before our eyes. Right? They, 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 of course, they, could, they were able to watch it from afar, Right. In 1991, we already had CNN. Maybe they watched it on, on, on the news uh, in 67. I'm sure they heard it on the radio. But but that's not the same as being here and being part of it and not being a as somebody is just watching from afar.
but being actually a part of the process that is unfolding, the miracles that are happening right in front of our eyes. And, and that was their punishment, that they weren't here to see it. And, right. and, and that's, go ahead. Yeah. What I, what I want to say is that, you know, I have that same feeling every single time I have to leave Israel for whatever reason. Usually it's well, almost 99 percent. It's because I want I, I'm going to speak somewhere and try to convince Jews to come come back to Israel. But I'm always scared that Mashiach, the Messiah, is going to come when I'm gone. I don't want to miss it. And I don't understand how Jews living outside the land of Israel aren't scared on a, on a daily basis that they're going to miss it. They're simply going to miss the the most colossal event of world history and they're going to be sitting on the sides and they're going to be watching it on the tv and they and they don't realize this besides that they think they're going to get on the next plane and they'll come and they'll be part of it but they won't be because there's going to be such a rush it's not going to be it's not going to be so simple to get to israel at that point this is when you have to come you have to come before it happens so that you're here so that like you said that you're zoha that you have the merit your privilege to be here when it happens yeah, I, I, I don't assume that Mashiach is a, a is a specific magical moment, but it's a process. And that way, I, I think that any anyone's not here right now is missing it. Not, not something in the future tense, but right now, if you don't come, you're really missing watching the redemptive process unfold before our eyes. It's something that we feel very, very special. I always say that it's, it's very special to live in such a uh, unique place in such a unique time. And being here today and watching this unfold is is every single day is, is watching the miracles happen. And uh, I also wanted to tell you that uh, these the, the, last week, I think I was on the radio. I was in Geneva, right? Yeah. So so last week I was in Geneva. I started a, a new custom for myself, uh, which I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy. Um, so when I there, it says by by Yaakov Avinu, by Jacob. That when he left the land of Israel, he had to switch his uh, his angels from Israel Israeli angels from Eretz Israel angels to Chutzlarts to exile angels, and then he had to switch when they came back to Eretz Israel. Right, he had to switch again back to the Israel angels. So, so there is a song that is sung by Jews around the globe on Friday night at the table at the Sabbath table that welcomes the Sabbath angels, right? Shalom Aleichem, that we're welcoming the Sabbath angels. And then we, 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 that, and we say, say, we say goodbye to the other angels that are weekday angels that we switched. So I did the same thing when I was on the plane. When I left Israel, I sang, say, and when I came back, I started singing Shalom Aleichem because now I'm getting, I'm getting back my Israeli angels back on top of me. What do you think? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It also reminds me of the, I don't know if you did this, but, you know, they say that we're of Nevensal, who's the chief rabbi of the old city, uh, that whenever he's an older man now, and I'm sure he doesn't fly anymore, but when he used to fly uh, to America, probably not that often, but when he did, he would make sure on the way out of Israel to get one of the, the, the back seats of the plane and on the way back to Israel to get one of the front seats on the plane. And he explained because he wants to leave Israel as late as possible, meaning the last possible second. And he wants to get to Israel as soon as possible. So therefore he wants to be in one of the front seats. And we're talking about a, a, a millionth of a second, obviously, is the difference. But that's what great tzaddikim understand, that there's that, that a Jew shouldn't 
be outside the land of Israel. He should he should yearn to be in Israel at every second, every moment of his of his life, every moment of the day, and 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 be scared to leave Israel and leave only if it's absolutely necessary and as late as possible. Okay, we have uh, one more uh, one more um, segment. Thank you for the word. One more segment to go. Please stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged, and we've been speaking a lot about the special uh, miracles and the special atmosphere that uh, surrounds the Jerusalem Day, and you know it, it's really a, a lot like whenever I discuss these issues of Midinat Israel and whether it's the beginning of the redemption, etc. Um, it, it just boggles my mind how there could still be people in this world who do not see the miracles and who do not recognize that Hashem is redeeming the Jewish people. In fact, Josh, when you were saying in the very beginning of the uh, broadcast that you're encouraging people to call in and, you know, tell us about their experiences, how they celebrated the day, I wanted to jump in and say, and call us even if you did not celebrate the day, if you think that it's a sad day, that it's a day that we should, you know, mourn because the state of Israel is is evil. You know, I would love to hear them also. But uh, there are actually people out there like that. It, it, it boggles the mind. It really does. But I really um, hope that they're listening to our show. I yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are the what are the chances they're listening to our show? But, uh, you know, maybe they are just to, you know, to argue. But um, so if there is anybody like that, you still have another 10 minutes to uh, call in and we'd love to speak to you. But before you come on, I'd like to just mention one very important thing, and that is that why is it? Why is it there are some people out there who just don't get it, who don't see it? So there's a beautiful idea that I heard from Rav Chaim Druckmann. I heard this in a shir that he gave, public public uh, lecture, and then I saw it in his book, Kima Kima, one of the most beautiful books on the topic of, uh, of the importance of Midianat Yisrael, the state of Israel and Eretz Yisrael. And he talks about the verse that we say um, very often before we say grace after meals, before we say birkat hamazon, we say shir hamalot b'shuv Hashem et shivat Zion hayinu kecholmim. When God returns the captivity of Zion, we will be like dreamers. What does that mean that we will be like dreamers? So he brings a few different opinions amongst the uh, commentators. What exactly means that we'll be like dreamers? So the Ibn Ezra, for example, says. 
that when it happens, will be like in a dream. Like we will not believe that it's actually happening, which if you read some of the uh, testimonies of the paratroopers who who freed, uh, who liberated Jerusalem, they, they'll, they, they write things like that, that they just could not believe like they were in like a dreamland. Like, is this really happening? Can this possibly be? It was just unbelievable to them as if they're not awake. When it happens, when the redemption happens, the the galut, the exile, the 2,000 years of exile will be like a dream, like a bad dream. I mean, we'll look back and we'll say, oh, what a terrible dream I just had. But now we're back. We're back in Israel and we're back uh, with with God and the Redeemer, etc. But the, the explanation that I like most is the one that Rav Druckmann himself gave, and that is... He says it's similar to a student who's in the middle of a class. He's sitting in class, but and he's awake. He physically is listening and he, he hears the words going through his ears, but he's in dream. He's in dreamland. He's just dreaming. He's his mind is somewhere else. He's not really paying attention to what's being said. Similarly, there will be people who the redemption will be happening before our very eyes, but people will just not recognize it because they're going to be in dreamland. They're just going to be, their minds are in other things. They're thinking about, you know, about their Parnassa, about, about, uh, you know, how terrible things are, how secular the state is and all those kind of things. And they're just going to miss, they're going to miss what's actually happening. It's going through their minds, going through their eyes, but they're not actually, it's not registering because they're in dreamland. And and the author of Ayel Tashachar, which is the Rav Yaakov Filber, which is the latest book that I translated, puts it so beautifully. And I think I actually read this quote before on this show, but I'll say it again. Some people treat dreams as if they are reality, meaning... They delude themselves and think that their delusions will come true. I mean, they, they have this picture of how the redemption is supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen miraculously. And, uh, you know, the Messiah is going to come on a white donkey flying through the air with a magic carpet and scooping up Jews from, from the uh, exile and bringing them to, to Eretz Israel, where, where trees and houses are going to pop up out of the ground. That's just, that's a dream. And that they delude themselves into thinking that that's the, that's reality, but others there are other people who treat reality as if it's a dream, meaning. But the reality that's actually happening to them is a dream, meaning a reality full of glory comes to fruition before their very eyes, but they disregard its significance and fantasize the redemption happening in an unrealistic utopia. They can't get beyond, past it. They think, this can't be the redemption, because the way I understood it always, it's going to be miraculous. And it's not miraculous, and it's filled with a lot of troubles and a lot of uh, inconsistencies. So it can't possibly be, and they just ignore it. And that, I think, is the problem. It's time to wake up. It's time to ignore the white noise, the static that's going around, that's going on around the the redemption that's happening. And look at the big picture. Look at what is actually happening. Try to clear your mind. Try to wake up. Stop being in dreamland and realize that we are living through unbelievable times.
I wanted to mention another story. I was in Geneva and uh, I don't I try not to ever miss an opportunity to speak to Jews wherever I am around the world and to encourage them to come home. And this was no different on this trip. I went and I spoke to everybody that I met. In fact, my wife jokes around and says that I am a Gilgal. I am a, uh, a reincarnation of Ezra Nehemiah that I have to go around trying to convince Jews uh, to come home. But I'm I'm there at a uh, at so basically there is somebody that makes kosher pizza over there, and I and I wound up in his house, and we I ate his pizza, and it was very yummy, and. I had a great time, and I started speaking to him about. He's an older man; he's probably in his seventies. I, I, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know, come. He has even a daughter that lives here in Jerusalem. Why are you still in Switzerland? What? Why would you stay there? And um, and he told me, you know, there there are legitimate reasons for someone to be in in outside the country, outside of Israel. Right? There are reasons that one can be temporarily outside of the land, and uh, and he says that I have one of those reasons. What is his reason? Because he has to make pizza, kosher pizza. Because if he doesn't make kosher pizza, then people are going to eat tray pizza. So he has to make kosher pizza in order so people eat kosher over there. And that's his reason to stay outside of the land. So I, I said to him, what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen after 120 years, after you're no longer in this world? What's going to happen? People are not going to have kosher pizza here. I said, someone else will make the kosher pizza. It said, you know, I think it was De Gaulle that said that the cemeteries are full of indispensable people. Everybody thinks that they're indispensable because they're the one that's make the pizza. So they have an excuse. But in reality, (laughs) there'll be somebody else that'll make the kosher pizza. That shouldn't be your excuse. If If that's your reason that you shouldn't, you're not coming to Israel because you because the because you're the one that makes the kosher pizza. I, I, I respectfully said I think you should think twice and perhaps uh, give that job to someone else. Yeah, and besides the fact, let's say you are you are making pizza, but if you understood that the redemption is underway, you know, I, I recently thought about this idea also. You know, you go over to somebody in, you know, outside the land of Israel and say to them, what would happen? Tell me, what would you say about a Jew who, if... A Navi gets up, a recognized Navi, meaning a prophet, someone who everyone recognizes as a prophet. And he says, guys, Mashiach is here. The redemption is here. It's time to come home. What would you say to somebody who ignores that? Well, well, how would you how would you treat somebody like that who, who would ignore that call? And, you know, I hope a religious Jew would say that that's ridiculous. I mean, how could someone deny it? If a if if respected, well-known, uh, well-accepted prophet says this is the redemption and, you know, it's time to come home. So, of course, we have to all get up and, and come home. And someone who doesn't is is rebellious, is, is going against the word of God. You know, there's actually a prohibition in the Torah to ignore the words of a Navi, of a prophet. So, you know, but that's not the way it's happening, right? There's no, there's no respected, acknowledged uh, prophet that's coming up and telling us that this is the redemption. But if you really think about it, it's the same thing. Because true, we don't have a prophet today, but we had plenty of prophets in the past 
who told us how things are going to happen and that one of the major things is that there is going to be an ingathering of the exiles and that Jerusalem will be in our hands again and, you know, Torah will flourish in the land of Israel, et cetera, et cetera. And all those things are happening already. As I've quoted a million times, Arya Kaplan says, we are living through the entire range of messianic tradition often coming to pass before our very eyes with uncanny literalness. So to deny it is like denying an, a, a recognized Navi and recognized prophet who says that the redemption is here. Just like that is the most ridiculous, one of the most rebellious things you could do not to listen to the Navi and come home. The same thing is true about today. You're not listening to the Nevi'im. You're not listening to the great rabbis of yesteryear who told us what it's going to be like, who told us how it's going to happen. And it's all coming to, to pass before our very eyes. So people, time to wake up, time to come home. We will see you again. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you again next week at the same time. Actually, next week, maybe not because it's Shavuot, second day of Shavuot for you in, in, in uh, the diaspora. But we'll see you soon. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 